Hey, Soma Northwest, this is Bobby, and I am recording this on a Tuesday morning from our offices in Soma Midtown. So this is a little bit different than what we normally do, but because of our services this past Sunday being canceled due to weather, uh, we wanted to get this teaching out to you this week a teaching in our series on spiritual formation. And we've been talking on and off over the last six months or so about what it looks like for us to be shaped by Jesus in our whole person, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, in the physical bodies that we have, in the relationships that we're a part of, that we are shaped by Jesus, that we are formed by Jesus. And the means by which he does that are certain practices, certain practices by which we participate or through which we participate with God's Spirit in that formation, in that shaping. And so throughout this year, we are going to be dipping in and out of mini-series where we talk about specific practices that help us be shaped by Jesus Christ. And the mini-series that we're in right now is called Sabbath Way of Life. Sabbath Way of Life. Slowing down and resting in God and in His grace to us. Slowing down and resting in God and in His grace to us. And part of this is that we have been courageously naming our reality. The last two weeks... We talked about the pace and the pushiness of our modern society has turned us into busy and tired people. The pace and the pushiness of our modern society has turned us into busy and tired people. But as the people of God, we step into this space and we ask, what would it look like for us to take a day or a half day a week where we put down our work and rest? And so if you haven't been able to listen to those teachings over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the why and the how of resting. And I encourage you to go back and listen to those. But today, I want to name another reality. The reality that the noise and connectedness produced by technology has also turned us into a distracted and an anxious people. That we're already dealing with being busy and being tired, but because of the increased noise and the greater connectedness that our technology has offered us, we are also dealing with being distracted and anxious. I think we've been culturally conditioned to be comfortable with noise. I mean, think about it. Driving in your car, preparing dinner in your kitchen, doing work at your desk. We are never without background noise. For some of us, it's comforting to have noise playing while we're doing our work and while we're going about our everyday lives. Some of us long for a time away from our kids who are always talking. We look uh, for time uh, away from workplaces that are constantly demanding, from superficial conversations 
that are just agonizing to have over and over and over again. But when we finally get those opportunities to pull away from our kids, to pull away from our work, to pull away from just the superficiality of our lives, what happens? We pull out our phones, we put music on, we play a podcast, we have news going on, on and on. It's just part of our life. It's part of our response to time alone. I read something last week. Uh, Someone made the case that distraction is our civilization's primary weakness. Now, whether you agree with that or not, I mean, I could think of a lot of other weaknesses that could maybe fill that top spot there. But whether or not distraction is our primary weakness, distraction is a big weakness. We live with partial attention all the time. It feels like for me, week in and week out, I can't ever devote all of myself to someone or to something. And for most of us, we're never without our phones. We're never far from instant connection to other people, places, and ideas. But do you remember what it was like to be bored? Do you remember what it was like to just not have anything to do? To not have somebody to talk to? To not have a game to play on your phone? To not have news to read 24-7? I mean, I'm trying to teach my kids this. I'm trying to teach my kids the value of being bored. And then it's okay to be bored. But then I'm the same guy who pulls out my phone while I'm waiting in line at the store. I'm the same guy who hops on Twitter or Facebook during the commercials of the show I'm watching. I'm the same guy when I have a lunch where I'm eating by myself. Can't just sit there and eat. I've got my phone out and I'm reading something. My wife and I, our kids notice that we're always on our phone, that our phones are always out, that we are always looking at something And they recognize that. And they point that out to us when they can't get our attention. Being connected, having some noise going on, it feels like I'm doing something. It feels like I'm accomplishing something when I'm not really doing anything. And when my phone dies, oh man, I lose a sense of security. What am I gonna do? Who am I gonna call? What am I gonna miss out on? A phone is dead. Now, before you think I'm some kind of a Luddite that hates modern technology, there are so many good things. We can keep up on current events. We have so much access to great educational content, beautiful music, be FaceTime. We can talk to anybody around the world and maintain some relationships. We have services that are more accessible now through our technology than ever before. But the flip side of that is our technology is robbing us of an ability to be present with ourselves, with others, and most importantly with God. That the noise and the the continual voices, the continual connectedness is doing something to us. It's not good. Is there any place where you can be alone with your thoughts and not the thoughts of others. And if there was, would you want it?
I think about the question that Jesus asked. What profit a man if he gained the whole world? Access to every service, access to every idea, every opportunity to connect, and yet forfeit his soul. In our busy life, and because of our proneness to distraction, we need intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and with God. And we're calling that silence and solitude. Intentional time in the quiet to be alone with ourselves and with God. Why? Why should we be a people who practice silence and solitude? Well, first of all, we do it to follow Jesus' example because Jesus did it. In Matthew chapter 4, Right after Jesus has been baptized, he has been commissioned and approved by his father. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We read at the beginning of Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came. Many of us are familiar with the story of God's enemy coming and tempting Jesus and saying, if you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do this. Trying to cast doubt on who Jesus was, what God had sent him to do. And you know, for years I read this thinking, well, Jesus, this was a time he was weak. He was vulnerable. He was at his lowest point. And maybe physically he was. He had been fasting for 40 days. He was maybe physically weak. He was, maybe, he was definitely hungry. But what we see here is not the response of a weak man in the face of temptation. We see strength that Jesus answers his enemy. That man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus' time in the wilderness, in that lonely place, away from people, in silence, strengthened him. It filled Jesus up. It enabled Jesus to resist the devil's temptation because Jesus knew that his strength did not primarily come from bread and from food, but from hearing the voice of his Father, the word of his Father. In Mark chapter 1, we read in verse 32, that evening at sundown they brought to Jesus all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In verse 35, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed. And went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. The whole town came out to Jesus with all of their problems. All of their ills. All of their sicknesses and diseases. They were at his door. And Mark tells us that Jesus made time before the crowd showed up. While it was still dark. To go out 
and be by himself alone and communicate with his Father. In Luke chapter 4, verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus was wanted. Jesus was important. Jesus was necessary. Jesus was doing a good work. Going from town to town to town. But in the midst of this, Jesus didn't allow himself to succumb to some kind of a hero complex or buy into his indispensability. That he had to be all things to all people all the time. Luke tells us that he made time to be alone with his father. In the midst of all of the good work he was doing, he still made time to be alone with his father. And finally, in Luke chapter 5, we read a similar account. When Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. But now even more, the report about Jesus went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmity. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus' fame was at an all-time high. People knew about his worth. People from all around were coming to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, to be touched by Jesus. But Luke tells us that not just once, But Jesus made a habit, a regular rhythm of withdrawing again to that desolate place to pray. In all four of these passages, we read the word wilderness and desolate. And it is the Greek word eremos. And it means a solitary, a lonely, a desolate place. Away from others. Away from others. If we are serious about practicing the way of Jesus, we must value what Jesus valued. Regular, intentional time away from others to be alone with God, our Father. So we practice solitude and silence to follow the example of Jesus. But secondly, to hear God's voice undistracted. We have so many voices. We have so many opinions. We have so many ideas that are so easily accessible that we live in constant danger of not hearing God's voice in the midst of all of the other voices. We are rarely alone to read the scriptures, to pray, to think about what God is saying to us. We rarely allow space for the Spirit of God to connect the truth of God 
to our minds and to our emotions and to our lives. And not just to take it from a sermon or to read it in a book or even to talk about it with other people. All of those are valuable. But do we have a space where we are alone to ask what does the truth about God, the truth about myself, the truth about this world that I read in the scriptures mean in my life right now? In Luke chapter 6, Jesus went away and spent all night praying and seeking his father before he chose the 12 men that he would commission as apostles to go out and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. In big decisions and in times of Great dis- in, when we are in need of great discernment. Do we have space? Do we have space where we can hear God's voice? Where we can ask God, what should I do? Where should I go? What decision should I make? We do it to follow the example of Jesus. We also do it to hear God's voice undistracted, And then thirdly, we do it to gain or regain a godly perspective that strengthens our our faith. We have mentioned all the external noise that we're constantly dealing with. But what about the internal noise? What about the internal noise that we feel every day? A cluttered and cloudy mind that just can't think straight. Racing thoughts that we can't get under control the fantasy world that we're continually drawn towards and and we find ourselves retreating into, the worries and the anxiety that just churn at us and just agitate us over and over again, the endless list of what-ifs that we live with every day. When we can't make sense of things, every time we open our mouths, With the Lord or with others, we just word vomit, fret, and confusion. And I think about Psalm 62, verse 1. David writes, For God alone my soul wait in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. And again in verse 5, For God, oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. A stability, a confidence, a strengthened faith comes when we wait silently, leaning against the rock that is God himself. I think that sometimes my my persistent doubts, my anxieties are due to the fact that I'm not willing to slow down and spend time alone with God. Just asking him to calm my fears, to calm my doubts. Asking him to give me clarity of mind so that I can focus, so that I can think straight. Fourthly, we practice silence and solitude so that we can face ourselves and experience God's healing. We're averse to quiet and uneasy with being alone. Because quite frankly, it scares us. 
And I'm not talking about the difference between people who are introverted and extroverted and personality types. And that definitely plays into it. But I think all of us have a fear of being left alone with our own thoughts. Because we can't hide among others. We can't hide behind the ministry that we have with other people. We can't hide behind the words of, of encouragement and, 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 and challenge and exhortation that we're giving other people. We can't hide or wrap ourselves in the superficial security of being vulnerable, where we know just how much to say to other people about what's going on to answer their questions or to make us feel good while still knowing that there's stuff that we haven't dealt with. When we are alone, in the quiet, it's just us with our thoughts. It's just us with our doubts. It's just us with our insecurities. It's just us with our painful memories. It's just us with God. You see, silence strips us down to the realities of who we are. It reveals what's really going on in us. Solitude away from people forces us to slow down long enough for the emotions that we've been trying to outrun, the emotions that we've been avoiding to catch up with us. And in silence and solitude, we have to deal with God. We have to sit with his truth. We have to see ourselves and our lives in light of his truth. We have to face our insecurities. We have to face our doubts. We have to face the sin that we're not willing to deal with. And only, only when we pull away from others and spend time with God will we begin to see ourselves in his truth. If we are unwilling to spend this intentional quiet time alone with God on a regular basis, our growth and our transformation will be stunted. The missionary Jim Elliott wrote, I think the devil has made it his business to monopolize on three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. Satan is quite aware of the power of silence. He's right. Because only when we pull away and are silent before the Lord will we experience real depth of relationship with God and transformation into the men and the women He's created us to be. So what could this look like? What would this look like in our lives to practice silence and solitude in the midst of our modern civilization with all the noise, with all the people, with all the connectedness? What would it look like? Well, first, let me just say, you don't have to be perfect. Leave room for experimentation. Leave room with trying things that may not work out the way that you think they work out. Be flexible knowing that this is going to look different at different points and different seasons in our lives. But I want to give you three practices 
that can help us experience silence and solitude in our lives. The first one is taking minute retreats throughout the day. Minute retreats throughout the day. In the car, on the way to or from work, or while you're in the car running errands, before you eat lunch, waiting in the drive-through at a bank, standing in line at the store, in the midst of your day and your responsibilities, take a spiritual pause. Just take those opportunities when you're away from other people, when you're waiting on someone else, to pause, to pray a simple prayer of thanks, like what's called a breath prayer. Just something you can say, God, you've been so good to me. God, thank you for your provision for my family today. Take those opportunities to recall a verse or a passage of scripture you've been thinking about. And just say something, just in your mind, just think about those words. For example, from Psalm 62, my soul waits in silence for the Lord, for he is my rock of salvation. Take those moments just to be still and to recognize that God has given you that moment to remind you of his presence in your life. Minute retreats just throughout the day, taking advantage of those times when you can just pause and allow your mind to be directed to who God is. The second practice is a daily time alone with God. When I was growing up in the church, we talked about having a personal quiet time all the time. A time where each day you would sit down and you would open your Bible up. You may have a journal that you're writing prayers in, maybe listening to some music. But that was your quote-unquote quiet time with God. And I think over the years, we began to make fun of that. We began to be condescending towards that. It was like, oh, the quiet time. And quite frankly, it turned into something that was uh, just more about looks and more about kind of spiritual one-upsmanship uh, than it was about really spending time alone with God. But I think we need to reclaim that. I think we need to start talking more of, with each other and encouraging each other to have a quiet time because that's actually what we should be doing. Carving out a quiet time with the scriptures open, listening and praying. And we're not looking for some spiritual high. We're not looking for some experience or to get, you know, our tank filled up for the day. We're committing to a consistent time with Jesus. Day after day. That over time will deepen our faith. Will strengthen our dependence. And will draw us closer and closer into relationship with him. So I want to encourage you, make it a daily goal. Maybe that means that if you're a parent, you have to get up 15 or 20 minutes before your kids get up in the morning. Maybe it means that you stay up a little bit later at night to create and carve out that time alone with God. Maybe it looks like, you know, if you're working a nine to five job and you have a lunch hour, maybe it looks like spending that time of lunch, a portion of your lunch time, where you're opening the scriptures and you're reading and you're praying while you're eating lunch, that time alone with God. 
I think this is maybe the most important and necessary habit that we as modern day Christians can cultivate. It keeps us grounded, it keeps us anchored, it creates space each and every day over time for God's Spirit to work and to transform us. So taking minute retreats throughout the day, carving out a daily time alone with God, and then lastly, getting away. Many of us don't have this opportunity weekly to take extended time alone away from our normal life and our responsibilities. But what would it look like if you have the space to do it monthly? Maybe it's something as simple as going to Soma Midtown here at our building and finding an empty room to spend a couple hours in. Maybe it's reserving a study room at, at the local library and just posting up in there for a morning or an afternoon just to be quiet and spend time with God. Maybe it's finding when the weather's nice, uh, a quiet space in a local park or the nature preserve to enjoy the nature, to enjoy just being with God, reading, praying, just thinking. Maybe it can't be monthly, but what about quarterly? Or a couple times a year, you spend an overnight somewhere. You find a retreat center or a friend with a cabin or a home outside of Indianapolis where you can get away. Maybe it's taking a day trip away from your house, your neighborhood, your responsibilities, where you're not going to run into anybody you know, where you're not going to have to deal with the responsibilities of that day. And I know that this takes a lot of planning. It takes some preparation. It means parents, maybe you're trading off with your spouses, where one takes the kids in the morning so that the other can go and spend some quiet time alone with God, and then you flip-flop in the afternoon. Maybe it means asking a friend for help and then paying that back uh, at, a, at another time. How can we help each other cultivate these times where we could get away for a night or for a weekend? Maybe it's even one time a year where we get away for a weekend just to spend some extended time in silence and solitude, listening to God, reading His Word, praying, thinking about our lives. Practicing the way of Jesus, not only for ourselves, but for the life of the world. Silence and solitude, not only for ourselves, but for the life of the world. And when we think about that, as we commit to pulling away and spending intentional time in the quiet, alone with God and alone with ourselves, what we will find is it creates a greater capacity to be present with others. If we can be silent, if we can listen to God, then we can be silent and we can listen to those in our, in our lives. The depth of relationship that we cultivate with God leads us to pursuing depth with each other. If we are willing to be patient, willing to be uncomfortable in silence and solitude, to allow the Spirit of God to work in us and transform us, we will find that we will be more willing to enter in and be patient in His working in the lives of others in our church community.
The goal of silence and solitude is not just to be refreshed, not just to calm down and quiet the noise. Those are good things. But the goal is to know and to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And with all of these practices, we do it with deep gratitude. We do it as a thank you, as a response to God's grace, knowing that Jesus Christ was left alone on the cross so we can experience the presence of the Father. That because Jesus was willing to hear the silence of his Father, when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there was silence. Because of that silence, we can hear from God. We are allowed to enter into the presence of God as beloved sons, as beloved daughters. So I want to encourage you. What would it look like for you this week, this month, this year to carve out and commit to intentional time in the quiet, to be alone with God and to be alone with yourself. God, I pray for our church community. I pray that we would be people in the midst of a noisy, distracted world who experience your presence, who experience your transformation, who experience instead of the fragmented, disjointed life, wholeness as you are whole. And I pray that as we commit to be a people who spend time alone with you, allowing you to work in us, that you will increase our capacity to be present with each other and to be present in this community. A life-giving presence bringing our transformed and transforming self into our neighborhoods, our networks, and ultimately, God, to the nations. And we pray this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.